Few composers have made the jump from gaming soundtracks to blockbuster summer movies, but this week on Frame Tracks, we'll be listening to one who successfully made the jump. That's right, it's Michael Giacchino. Italian-American Michael Giacchino was born, actually, in uh, New Jersey, uh, but he does have dual uh, citizenship in Italy. Uh, He was born in 1967 and almost right off the bat uh, showed interest in the uh, film world. At the age of 10, he uh, began creating stop-motion animation, and he uh, would add his own musical soundtrack. The love for film didn't uh, diminish, and when he went to college, he finally went to college at the uh, School of Visual Arts in New York City. Uh, After graduating there, he uh, quickly began work at Universal Studios, and from there he moved into Disney. And once he was at Disney, he saw a job opening for uh, a company called Disney Interactive, which is their video game arm, and uh, as a producer. And he um, uh, got the job thinking that he could hire himself to write the music for the games that he produced. And uh, that's how he began his uh, composition uh, career. Uh, He did a lot of games uh, in the 1990s, from uh, Gargoyles to uh, the console version of Lion King. Uh, but he gained a lot of success when he stumbled onto the award-winning gaming series called Medal of Honor, Underground, Allied Assault, Frontline, so forth and so on. Meanwhile, over at another Disney division, Pixar Films, uh, they were working on a movie called uh, The Incredibles. And as many of you know, uh, I like to uh, start these uh, podcasts out with the where I first heard the composer. And for me, that was very, very easy. Um, it, it was the film The Incredibles. Director Brad Bird, I told this story on the John Barry podcast, so I'll keep this quick, but uh, director Brad Bird actually wanted to hire John Barry, famous James Bond composer, because he wanted to have that James Bondian sound for the movie. Uh, but soon after Brad began working with John, it became clear that John Barry was not interested in returning to that sound. He wanted to do something new. Uh, so Brad Bird essentially fired him and began looking for a new composer. Uh, by this point, uh, Michael Giacchino had moved into uh, television. He had done a couple of soundtracks for J.J. Uh, Abrams, uh, Lost and Alias. And uh, Brad Bird really liked uh, what he was hearing. So he hired uh, Michael Giacchino to do the score for Incredibles. And the result uh, is 
quite frankly, uh, musical gold. Easily, The Incredibles is uh, arguably one of the greatest uh, Pixar scores, if not one of the greatest scores for an animated film or any film, really. Uh, it's a fantastic score, uh, and it instantly launched Giacchino as a solid film composer. Uh, so without uh, further ado, let's listen to a track from that score. This is called The In Credits from 2004 Brad Bird film, The Incredibles.
That's just pure gold. I don't care who you are. Easily, it can be said that the Spielberg-John Williams collaboration is the greatest in uh, uh, you know director composition history. Michael Giacchino also has a, a wonderful uh, collaboration with uh, director J.J. Abrams. Abrams produced a few of the TV shows that gave Giacchino his uh, start, uh, Alias and Lost. And easily, I think it can be said that uh, Abrams began Giacchino's career, or at least began his uh, rise to superstardom. And it can also be said that Giacchino has done the same for Abrams. Much like the Williams-Spielberg uh, collaboration, it's it's becoming the, the signature sound for an Abrams film is a Giacchino score. Um, and it's, it's hard to imagine uh, Abrams doing some of the films that he's done without Giacchino. The two of them have worked on a, a handful of movies together, including the um, uh, MI3's uh, Cloverfield, which uh, Abrams uh, produced, and also this next uh, film. In 2009, Abrams uh, took on a massive task of rebooting the uh, Star Trek franchise, which had pretty much died after uh, the uh, Next Generation films uh, uh, sort of limped along for a while. But And so Abrams really had to reinvent the entire um, franchise, and he did a, a wonderful job, came up with a remarkable concept for the film by having uh, Spock go back in time and, and kind of re- relive and revisit um, how him and uh, Kirk met. Naturally, when Abrams sat down to do this score or to do this movie, he brought in uh, his buddy Giacchino, and Giacchino d- delivered on on every aspect. It's such a huge task, I would think, for a composer to sit down and with a body of work that has already been brought to the screen many, many, many times uh, quite successfully. Uh, obviously, Jerry Goldsmith's scores for uh, Star Trek was the bar that Giacchino was going to have to meet, and it was a very high bar. Those scores were were many times considered have been considered some of the greatest scores ever written especially the original one uh, for Star Trek the, the motion picture so Giacchino had some big shoes to fill and uh, I think he did a wonderful job and uh, that shows in this next track this is from that 2009 J.J. Abrams uh, film Star Trek and this track is called the Starfleet Spaceport
Let's go ahead and get the uh, trivia question for this week's episode out of the way. For one of uh, Giacchino's projects, he was uh, given the job of doing a full score for a movie, and he actually uh, only turned in one song, and that was the end credit song for that score. The rest of the movie had absolutely no music in it whatsoever. Uh, what was the title of this film? And uh, we will be answering that when we play that track uh, later on in the show. But for First, you, you can't talk about uh, Michael Giacchino without talking about the TV show Lost. Giacchino did the score for the entire run of the show, uh, which began in 2004. And this was another J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, collaboration. To not talk about Lost uh, you know, when talking about Giacchino would be like not talking about Star Wars uh, when talking about John Williams. It truly was a, a masterpiece for film, really, on a film level, but it was for a television show. Giacchino tried out a lot of different uh, thematic um, techniques in, in the, the run of the show. And uh, in my opinion, just got better and better and better. Uh, he did a lot of experimenting with uh, different ways of telling the score or telling the story through the score, uh, even using uh, airplane parts as percussion instruments in the score itself. So he, he was really trying out a lot of new uh, ways of um, expressing himself creatively. And I, I personally feel he got better and better and better. And J.J. Uh, Abrams fought for these scores to be released on CD, and they are out, uh, and I highly recommend them. They are not full-blown action scores. In fact, uh, some of the better moments uh, in the scores are the more intimate pieces. It just And I feel the same way about the show. Some of the better scenes were uh, not the big set pieces, but the, the intimate ways the characters uh, interacted. Uh, one of the greatest pieces that he did, in my opinion, was uh, for the uh, season premiere, um, I believe, of the final season, when they act, there's a there's a wonderful sequence where the plane that crashed in the uh, pilot through a very bizarre series of events actually lands in uh, Los Angeles and succeeds in its journey. And it's a it's a wonderful moment because all these characters that you've come to know, um, some who have died, actually make it to uh, LAX. And um, and and there's a there's a beautiful scene where they're all disembarking from the plane. And it's a it's a it's a great piece. And personally, I think it's the best piece he did for the whole score. So let's listen to that uh, from the television show Lost. This is LAX.
Very few composers working today can handle the large uh, spectrum of emotion like uh, Giacchino can. He can do the moving, intimate pieces like we just heard from from Lost, and he can also do hardcore action. In uh, 2006, J.J. Uh, Abrams was given the task of uh, rebooting another franchise, uh, Mission Impossible. Uh, Mission Impossible 2 had done very poorly uh, under the hands of John Woo, and uh, Paramount was looking to, to reboot that one, or continue it, actually, with a, a new director and a new feel. So they brought him in uh, for Mission Impossible 3. Naturally, when, when Abrams sat down to do it, he brought in uh, Giacchino. And Giacchino delivered a, a fantastically hardcore, edgy uh, action score. Uh, and we're going to play a uh, track from that, too. Uh, this is from uh, Mission Impossible 3. This is called Hell of a Copter Chase.
In 2010, Giacchino won his first Oscar for uh, Best Score uh, for a very much-deserved film. He did the score uh, this time again for another Pixar movie, this one directed by Pete Docter, entitled Up. If you've seen the movie, you know uh, easily why the film won for Best Score. Uh, The first 10 minutes of the movie, there's no dialogue. It's a wonderful sequence between these two characters who meet, fall in love, get married, uh, and try to have children, and it turns out they're not able to. The entire sequence, uh, again, no dialogue, just music, is just a, a wonderful roller coaster of emotions. And it's so beautifully done. Pixar does, obviously, what only, in my opinion, Pixar can do. Uh, they, they take a wonderful story, create some wonderful characters, and, and uh, jam it into just a, a, an absolutely spectacular sequence. And the entire sequence is held together, the glue that, that pulls on your heartstrings and keeps, keeps the story together is uh, this just absolutely fantastic score uh, by Michael. And again, it, it won the Oscar for Best Score, and it, it deserved it uh, hands down. Uh, from that film, the 2010 Pixar movie Up, this is Married Life.
Let's go ahead and answer this week's uh, trivia question. Earlier I asked, what Giacchino film did he uh, only turn in one song uh, for uh, the entire score, even though he was the sole composer for that score? Uh, That was another J.J. Abrams-produced movie. Uh, This one was called Cloverfield. The movie was uh, kind of an experiment in a a, a different take on the Japanese um, Godzilla story uh, where a giant Godzilla-like creature attacks the city of New York. And the entire movie is shown through the, you know, the found footage, as they say now, uh, that it's become the term, the genre that they've given to these type of movies, uh, where uh, it was shown through video that was taken, handheld video that was taken uh, during the actual event. I found the movie to be uh, rather clever and successful in its attempt. Uh, The shaky cam in the film can get to you. I think the movie is much better. It plays out much better on uh, the small screen and not the big screen. But it is fascinating. Uh, When you watch the entire movie, you get wrapped up in the events on screen. And it's very real. And it's feeling. It has a very real feeling. And one of the reasons that is is because there is no score. The entire movie is played with just sound effects uh, until the very end when uh, they roll the credits. Giacchino turned in a, a wonderful uh, piece called Roar, which tips the hat to uh, those Japanese uh, monster scores of old. And you can hear a lot of that style in the in the piece. And um, I think it's a wonderful piece. I think he did a wonderful job and captured the feel of the movie, even though uh, his score was not used during the actual film, only during the credits. Uh, so from uh, that film, Cloverfield, This is Roar.
I don't think we'd be doing uh, Michael Justice if we didn't talk a little bit about his uh, gaming career. Uh, that is how his career as a composer began. Uh, he had the most success with a series, uh, as I said earlier, called Medal of Honor. And it, he often returned to this uh, franchise, doing many of the scores uh, for the franchise throughout. When you think about a score for a game, uh, you automatically think a low-budget, synthesized score, That because why would a, a gaming company spend any money on the score when they need to put the money into the graphics and so forth? And a lot of people don't put much emphasis on the score in gaming. Uh, Michael changed all that. Uh, when he did Medal of Honor, he came in with a full-blown orchestra and really looked at it as a uh, movie score. And I think the the games uh, really were successful because of that that cinematic feel that the graphics gave you as well as uh, the score. Uh, so let's play a piece from that uh, Medal of Honor uh, score. This is the actual theme from Medal of Honor.
As you may know, I like to end these podcasts by playing uh, uh, my favorite piece from that composer. I will admit with uh, Giacchino, I had a hard time uh, picking uh, my favorite. He's done so many wonderful scores uh, from The Incredibles to the Star Trek and the Lost series, and he's done so many uh, diverse scores. It was very difficult to really hone in on one piece that I thought was uh, the best, and I I did keep leaning towards The Incredibles, but finally I I stopped and, and really put my heart and soul into it and came up with a piece from the score from the 2011 J.J. Abrams movie called Super 8. In this movie, J.J. Abrams was trying to recreate a 1980s-style Steven Spielberg-produced or directed movie, and I think he did a pretty good job. Uh, there was some Cloverfield moments in it because the 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 um, creature in the movie is very Cloverfield-esque, and so there was sort of some re- repetitiveness there. But I think he did sort of grab onto what was wonderful about those movies, the innocence uh, of those movies. And, you know, always in those films, they were told through the eyes of a child, and uh, Abrams did that again with this movie. And in this film, the main character of the child's mother has passed away, and he's really struggling with that. And there's a a wonderful piece that they play throughout the movie uh, when they're thinking about or you know trying to evoke that emotion of the loss of of um, this child's mother. Giacchino did a wonderful marriage of John Williams and James Horner in in this movie and and definitely in this piece. I think it's a it's a wonderful piece and uh, I'd like to to end the podcast with it. Now this is going to take us to the end. Uh, if you have any uh, questions or comments, please email us. Uh, you can email us at info at frametracks.com or you can go to frametracks.com and uh, get more information about uh, future podcasts and listen to uh, some of the others that we've already done. Uh, we'll try to continue to do more of these. So to wrap us up, this is a piece called Letting Go from Abrams' film Super 8.
If you enjoyed listening to Frame Tracks, please log in and leave me a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to email me questions, requests, or comments to info at frametracks.com. That's F-R-A-M-E-T-R-A-X. And please support these great composers by purchasing their music. Until next time, this is Frame Tracks.